Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Well, good morning. Welcome to Harvest Ridge. And uh, we are glad you're here. If you brought your kid to VBS this week, I'm very glad you did that. I love kiddos. They're awesome. They really are awesome, aren't they? They grow up to be adults, so that's the only problem with them. (laughs) Ah, so last night I had this dream. I dreamt I was a muffler. Man, I woke up exhausted. So um, I got a sermon for you today. It's a sermon about the Holy Spirit. I'm in a sermon series called The Keys to Faith. And uh, so I've got about four and a half hours of information. Y'all ready? No, no, I'm not going to give you four and a half hours. What we're going to do is over the summer, uh, the next several weeks, we're going to spread some of this information over that. So this is sort of the introduction, if you will, to uh, the sermon series of this portion where we're talking about the Holy Spirit and his interaction in our life. So the guy that uh, Pastor Jesse was talking about, Jim Maxwell, he was a professional painter. So he was an artist. So he was a painter that was an artist. And um, so anyway, I I mean, when I say a professional painter artist, I mean, he may have painted walls, but trust me, he was amazing. So when I built my house several years ago, I invited him. One of the things that I tried to do to lower the cost is they decided that uh, we decided that I could paint the house. So I enlisted our professional painter to teach me what to do. And I remember I was painting one day, and Jim walked through the door. He looked at me painting. He said, you keep painting like that, I'm going to kick you out, and you're not going to touch any more in this house. I'm like, whoa, calm it down, little Jim. He said, you're doing it all wrong, and that's going to look like garbage. You're going to leave boogers everywhere. You're going to hate looking at your walls. And then he started explaining to me that the first thing you do is you trim. Now, the reason you trim is because when you trim, you know, you you get up close to the edges and that way when you paint and use your roller, the wall can be even from top to bottom because you don't paint like this with a roller. You paint from bottom to top and top to bottom like this. And he said, the first thing you do is you do your trim work so that when you roll, you can roll even and you don't leave those boogers hanging in the middle of the wall. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those lines and stuff that make it look bad? Yeah. He told me why to do it. And I was like, okay, I get it now. And I learned how to paint. And of course, you know, he tried to hire me. No, I'm just kidding. No, but um, uh, I learned what to do because I learned how to do it or why did it, why to do it. It wasn't just what I did. It was why I needed to do it. So another one is years ago, I changed the spark plugs in my car. Now, I don't know if they still do this now. But back in the 80s, when I changed spark plugs in my car, I put the, got the spark plugs, I bought them, I put them in my car. I turned my car on, it barely started, it ran horrible. You know why? I didn't do one simple thing. I didn't know you needed it done. My dad looked at him and said, you just changed your spark plugs? He's, I said, yes. And he said, did you gap them? How many knows what gap in a spark plug is? All right, so there's a place that fires the electrical electrode up and then it catches on the top. And if the gap is too far or too tight, it doesn't fire properly to give you the right explosion for the gas that's pushed into the piston. 
See? The things you learn. And you know what I did? Because I understood now that I needed to gap it properly. My dad brought the gapper. We pulled the spark plugs out. We gapped them the right distance. And you know what happened to my car? It ran. Do you know why it ran? Because we got the why right. We were able to get the what right. Are, are y'all getting this right here? If you understand the why, you're more likely to do the right why. When I talk about the subject of the Holy Spirit, the problem I have with Pentecostal churches... The problem I have with them is, is they always want to talk about what and never why. So what do you think I'm going to talk about today? Why, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Not just what does it look like and what is the Holy Spirit, but why do we need the Holy Spirit? And to do that, in a couple of minutes, we're going to go to what Jesus said in John chapter 16. So if you've got a Bible, you're going to want to turn to John 16. But before we get there, let me give you a couple of background themes, okay? Number one, a couple of things you need to know about the Holy Spirit before we can have an intelligent discussion. First thing you need to know is God is spirit. God is spirit. John chapter 4 verse 24 says God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is flesh, right? No. God is matter with height, width, and depth. No. God is what? Spirit. So now we live on a dimensional world. I wish I had time to do the illustrations the way it should be done, but I just don't have the time for it. I usually draw an anorexic example on a chalkboard. You know what that is, right? A stick figure. My anorexic examples, the stick figures, because anyway, and I normally ask, you know, I name them like Herb or something like that, or Susie, or I give her hair and call her Susie. Anyway, whatever. But she has two dimensions. She has height and width. You know what she doesn't have? depth. Now me, I have depth. So imagine Susie looking at me with height, width, and depth. Can she see the depth? Can she see the third dimension? I don't know. Probably not because she doesn't understand that dimension. Now, what I'm here to tell you and what I'm here to inform us about is that we don't just have two or three dimensions. We have at least four dimensions. All right, so we have height, we have width, and we have depth, but we also have something else called spirit. Because you're made in the image of God, you're made to have a spirit. Have you ever met somebody, and the moment you met them, you thought, I like this person? Immediately. You have no reason to like them, but immediately you like them. And the more you got to know them, the more you were like, yeah, they are right. Have you ever met somebody, the first time you met them, you're like, warning, warning, scumbag alert. Anybody ever had that one? Oh, yeah? And the more you get to know them, the more you realize, the alarms were there for a reason because we have a spirit and we give off our spirit to other people. We are four dimensions. But God doesn't live in dimension one, two, or three like us. He doesn't live in height, width, or depth. He starts at dimension four. And who knows, God may go to dimension 735. (laughs) But can you imagine this? God, because he doesn't have height, width, depth, or time, God lives outside of time. He lives outside of space. He lives out of your matter and and the things that constrain you. God lives in the eternal now and the eternal everywhere because that is his nature. And I wish I had time to explain to you how the existence of matter proves the existence of God, but that's a different sermon for a different day. Simple fact that you're here 
proves a creator that was uncreated. And that's what recent science has taught us no matter what. Anyway, follow the science except when it points to God, right? <laughs> except when it leads away from your preconceptions. <laughs> all right. God began this world. First of all, God is spirit, so he's not limited to dimensions of matter, time, or space as we know it. Second of all, God began this world through the agency of the spirit. So God's nature is spirit, and God did the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. This is the beginning, man. This is the start. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was on the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the water. So God's spirit was active in the agency of creation, and God's spirit will always be there when a creative work is done. I wish I had time to talk about that too. Thirdly of all, God's Spirit has always been the way that God empowered His servants. So the Spirit of God is how God has always empowered His servants. I want us to look at Exodus 31.3. Remember, this is really, really early in humanity. It says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And notice, notice what comes with the Spirit of God. Wisdom understanding, knowledge, and skill. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Does anybody in the room need wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and skill? Does anybody in the room need that? Oh, wow. So we, if you're going to be a better dad, you're going to be a better mom, you're going to be a better worker, you're going to be a better person on social media. You need wisdom. You need knowledge. You need understanding. And you need skill. And what the Holy Spirit, all of his interact, we're going to come back to this in a couple of minutes because there's like a bookends. The Holy Spirit is always there to give you, notice this, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skill. I think that's a pretty good deal if God wants to give that to me. Yeah. All right? And then Isaiah 61, even Jesus said that. Well, this is Isaiah the prophet, first of all, said this about himself. Isaiah 61, he said, the spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, is on me. What's on him? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And these are the exact words Jesus used when he started his ministry. Because Jesus had knowledge, he had wisdom, he had uh, understanding, and he had skill, right? And the Holy Spirit was upon him to give him those things. Now, last thing I, I want to say about this is the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. Now, this is theologically deep water, so can I walk in them for just a second? Everybody nudge your neighbor and say, wake up, listen, because here we go, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. That was good. I like that. You can do that more, huh? All right. All right. Y'all ready? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What do we know about the Godhead? That God is one, but yet God manifests himself as three individual persons of the Trinity. So God is one, but yet he is three. Now, if you understand this, you're lying. All of the theologians of history have made a mistake one way or the other. They either go to monism, there's only one God, or modalism, that there are three gods somehow manifesting as one. And both of them are wrong. So if you think you can understand God, why would you think you can understand God? If you think you can understand God, that means God in all of his 784 dimensions fits in your brain. That's four-dimensional. That ain't happening, right? So can we just admit that there is a mystery to the Trinity. 
that God is three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but yet he is one. I don't know how it is. I don't understand, but it's a reality. Now, that being said, there's no reason to ever reject the Holy Spirit because then you would be rejecting God. All right, so y'all with me now? All right, John chapter 16, verse 7. Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? I know you've been up and down a lot today, but come on, it's VBS week. You need to exercise. Get those knees loose. Oh, man. I was, after this week, no. I was watching Pastor Caleb up here doing the dance and going low, and I tried it, and I was like, oh, I don't think I can do that today. <laughs> we had a 50-plus meeting last night, and a bunch of us got together and ate some pizza. And, and somebody said, you're not 50. I said, Oh, yeah, my check engine light came on when I turned 50. <laughs> ah. All right, your knees can handle it, mine can. You ready? Here we go. John chapter 16, verse 7. This is who talking, by the way? Does anybody know? Who's, who's saying this? Jesus, okay? He says, but, I, but very truly I tell you, it is good for you I'm going away. What? Why would it be good for Jesus to go away? We know about God that God is what? Spirit. What was Jesus at that moment? Flesh. So when Jesus talked to somebody, could people on the other side of the world hear him? No. He was flesh. He was in that space. And he's saying, I can only be one place, one time, one work right here, right now. But he says, I'm telling you what, it's a good idea for me to die and to go away. Why? Unless I go away, the advocate. Everybody say advocate with me. Advocate. This is an all skate, and if you need to hold your partner's hand to make this happen, everybody, anybody remember all skates? All right, you ready? Let's do this. Let's say it one more time. Unless I go away, the what? The advocate. We'll come back to what that means in a second, but it's a key word. The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Notice, not it to you. It's a very personal pronoun because we're talking about God Almighty, the Spirit, having a personality, having a being. They, all right. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong. He will convict them about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. About judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you. <laughs> I feel that way all the time. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Somebody told me that the mind can only absorb what the butt can endure. <laughs> so you got to not sit all day long. So I can't tell you everything I know. We got to keep this short. And we got to focus. You ready? I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will, notice this phrase, guide you into all the truth. How much of the truth? All of it. And he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will do what? Glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he has made known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit's here to bring all of God's fullness into your life. So, Father, I ask that you would uh, 
You'd speak to our hearts today, open our minds. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Wait, wait, wait. You cannot sit down yet. This is VBS week. All week long, we've been giving high fives. I've been saying, you know, this is my favorite line to say to all the kids. Sup. Can y'all turn to somebody, give them a high five, say, sup. Sup. Online. Sup. Thank you, Joseph. All right. There are three reasons why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Three reasons why we have the Holy Spirit. Number one, from the text, to be our advocate. The advocate. What does an advocate mean? Well, the Greek word is a word paraclete. Para means alongside. Kalete means to be called alongside or, or to summon to your side. So paraclete, it means that the, this one that's coming is to be summoned along to your side. To walk with you. Now, there was a guy named Plato, and Plato used the word a lot in his writings, and he spoke of it as an intercessor or someone that speaks to you and on your behalf for you. So, uh, actually, the best, the best understanding of this is probably a defense attorney. A defense attorney is the one that goes before the judge and makes it plead your case for you while you sit there and watch the defense attorney do his pleading. And that's what uh, the, the paraclete, the advocate is. God wants you to have a defense attorney towards heaven, towards the devil and his lies, and towards your own thoughts about yourself. He wants to be able to defend you. <laughs> you thought God was here to condemn you? He's not. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. So the very purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is to, is to be your, your comfort, to, to be the one that defends you, that gets rid of the condemnation in your life. And, and how he does that is, y'all ready for this? You sense there's something wrong, and he teaches you what's right rather than your thoughts about what's wrong. So he does convict you. He convicts you of the things you're doing wrong. There are three things the text mentioned that he convicts you of. One is sin. And in the text, you can read it. It says sin because you don't believe. You thought you had to be good to please God. You don't have to be good to please God. By the way, how many of you are good? Don't raise your hand because you're not. You're driving down the road, somebody cuts you off. And then they slow down. They speed up and cut you off again. And then they slow down and they speed up and cut you off again. And you're going. <laughs> I know you. No. What? You didn't even fight it. You just let it fly. <laughs> we know you. Even if you didn't in your heart, you're saying you idiot. Right? Be careful now. Because they may have just gotten a phone call that a loved one of theirs just passed away and they're not thinking about driving. They're suffering with grief. And, and how are you to be so mad at them for inconveniencing you when you don't know what pain is going on in their heart? You see, what, what it is is you don't believe the right things. You know why you don't believe the right things? Because you're believing in all of your ideas and your thoughts. But sin is when you don't believe what God says you should believe. You know, God's got something to say about you. He's got something to say about your family. He's got something to say about this world. And a lot of us, we believe what those 
links on social media tell us or what the news tells us or we believe what somebody told us at the water cooler rather than letting our hearts be filled with the belief from God about Jesus, about his purpose for our life and about what truth is. The Holy Spirit's always going to convict you about what you believe. And you need to believe in him and put your trust in him. Being good, you aren't. Being religious, you really aren't, not compared to other people I know. Being, oh, oh, I love this one. I send my prayers to the universe. Anybody heard that recently? Like, how stupid is that? That's like me saying, I, I will eat the plate. The plate holds the food. The plate is not the food. If you're praying to the universe, you should just take the extra step and say, I'm going to worship the God who made the universe. Yeah. All right, just saying. All right. Be our advocate. So he convicts us of sin. He convicts us of false righteousness. You know, righteousness means the state of things being as it ought to be. And, and any of you... You ever been right and not been righteous? You've been right, but it's not as it ought to be? Like you tell your kids and you know you're right about this, but your attitude is really, really lousy? Anybody ever been there? So the Holy Spirit's there to convict you when you get a bad attitude and take things out of righteousness and just let it live and right. And then he convicts us regarding judgment, reminding us we don't know it all. Did you know you don't know everything? I hope you realize this. There is, there is your fact, my fact, and the fact. <laughs> and often your fact and my fact are clouded by my opinions, but the facts are what's true. Can I tell you, me as a, me as a person, I've come to realize that I don't know everything. And I need, well, hold on, you should recognize this too, because several years ago, I guess Johnny Depp got accused of beating his wife or something. Y'all remember that? And everybody like rushed to judgment about Johnny Depp. Oh, I'm too holy to listen to the social medias about Johnny Depp. No, you aren't. You did it. Just go ahead and admit it. <laughs> you did. All right. No, you know, the whole world rushed to judgment, but apparently, according to a jury, what? It didn't all happen the way everybody thought it happened back in the day. Am I correct? Right? So we have this tendency to rush to judgment about people, about places, about things that happen, about COVID, about Roe versus Wade. Can I? I, I want to read this because I want to make sure I do it the right way. Y'all ready? I've been disturbed by both sides' reaction to the Roe versus Wade ruling. Although I agree with the legal decision and the protection of the unborn, laws have never once changed hearts. Our culture is still steeped in sin, immorality, sexual perversion, and the abuse of the weak and defenseless. And one ruling doesn't change that. Let me just give you what, I'm going to make a statement. Y'all ready for a statement? I can't make a statement regarding the White House or the Supreme Court. I'm going to make a statement regarding this house. Because I'm the pastor of this house, I'm responsible for this house. So I'm going to make a statement. Y'all ready for this? 
At Harvest Ridge Church, we love children. We love the unborn children. We love the born children. We love foster children. We love children being raised by a single mom. We love children being raised by mom and dad in a nuclear family. We love the orphan children. We love special needs children. We love black, yellow, red, white, green, purple, orange children. I don't care. We love children. All children. And my focus is not to negate or to promote, but to simply say, our value is love of children. I believe if you do any research whatsoever, you're going to find out we got a track record that backs that up. We are here to raise a Daniel generation. You notice what I'm doing here? I'm trying to pull truth. Because sometimes the right's left and are true, and sometimes the left is true. And sometimes the right's wrong, or the right's wrong and the left's wrong. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. We're going to be those messy, wonderful people that stand in the middle and say we embrace truth and truth, and we reject lies and lies. We will be Harvest Ridge who loves children. We're here to raise a Daniel generation that will overcome the attacks on our children. A Daniel generation raised up from this church that will overcome the attacks of the enemy and will remain faithful to Jesus emotionally, socially, physically, and spiritually healthy kids. That's what we're here for. I don't care where they come from. We're here for them. So, Father, please protect all your children. Give them your life, not just life, your life. And help us to be a part of the answer, not a part of the problem, as your Holy Spirit guides us. Amen. Amen. All right. So, that leads me to number two. The Holy Spirit is here to guide us into truth. How do you make these right judgments? Well, you embrace truth. You know, real truth is not a version of the truth, but the whole truth. Right? I, we've, already, we've already established that there is your truth, my truth, and what the real truth is. So how do we know? You know, our, our culture's really good at selling us narratives. And they'll sell you a narrative that may have a point. I was reading an article the other day that had about that much truth in it, and it had this big of a lie surrounding it. But they really focused on this truth to start, and then they established a big lie. I read a book recently that was about this much filled with truth, but then it had about this much lie around the edge. Do you know that it's very common for there to be lies in your narratives? Didn't anybody learn that? Come on, follow the science, except when the science disagrees with you. All right? So, what, what, and I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about everything here. We have narratives for everything. So, I make these special brownies. I get the highest quality mix, and you know, I put it all together, and I, I have this great icing on the top. But in that brownie mix, I put my special ingredient. It, it, you know, I make a big pan of brownies, but my special ingredient is just a little bitty dog turd. Just a little dog turd. Just a little one. I mean, just a little one. It's not much. And I make sure I mix it up really good so it's mixed thoroughly through all of the brownies. Yeah, just a little dog turd in my brownies. All right, so if I serve you my special brownies with my special ingredient, how many of you are going to say, yummy, let's eat that? 
Why not? Because, oh, you're, what you're telling me is, is that a, a, a little of the inappropriate taints all of the good. Why is it then that we as a church have stopped being guided into truth and we're okay with narratives that destroy us, that destroy our culture and destroy the next generation? I'm tired of it. Let's get the dog poop out of our brownies and let's embrace all the truth, God's truth. Listen to it, okay? So listen to this. Remember when we were back at the beginning and we were talking about how that guy was anointed with the Holy Spirit and he was given knowledge and wisdom and all that stuff? Y'all remember that? Do you know the New Testament says something about the Holy Spirit too? What does it say? 1 Corinthians 12, 8 says, to the one there is given through the Spirit, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom and a message of knowledge. What's the Holy Spirit here for? To lead you into truth and knowledge and wisdom. I don't understand why anyone in the world would not want that knowledge and wisdom from God to live your life a better way than you're living it now. Isaiah 30, 21. Now, there are a lot of scriptures in the Bible I love. This is honestly one of my favorite. Whether you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The Holy Spirit is there to give us the way to walk, to live our best life, and to make our world a better place. So a couple years ago, a guy named David Henners, he, uh, he tried to kill me. I'm convinced he did. He took me to a cave down in Kentucky. And we repelled 120 feet from the mouth of the cave, which was about this big. We repelled 120 feet to the bottom of the cave. And we got down to the bottom of the cave. And I mean, we could have maybe climbed out the rope, but he said, no, we're going to take that pathway right there. And we're just going to walk our way out. Eight hours later, I got out of that cave. We walked through water that was this deep at 55 degrees and walked through it until our toes were numb. I was laying on, I had to take my backpack off and scoot it along and crawl to the side like this with a, with a rock face about that far from my face as I'm laying on my back scooting along. We're in this cave and Dave tried to kill me except he did one thing. He did one thing right. Do you know what he did? He brought a guide. He brought somebody that knew that cave inside and out. He knew all the turns in that cave, where to go, how to get there, how to get out. He knew everything about that cave. Now, I just, the Holy Spirit's to guide us into truth. How stupid will I have been to go into that cave, get to the bottom and say, no, I can do it all by myself. Wouldn't I have been stupid? Hey, come on, come on. I know. You're not supposed to say stupid. All the women say that. All the guys just call you stupid. <laughs> I would have been dumb, right? I, I would not have been very intelligent in that moment. I wouldn't have been emotionally aware of my need. I don't know what. You can say whatever you want to call it. It would have been dumb for me not to follow the guide, correct? 
The Holy Spirit knows everything about your life and everything about the universe and everything about God and everything about the attentions of the hearts of the people around you. And he wants to be the voice behind you saying, go this way. Why would you say no to that? Last of all, the Holy Spirit helps us glorify God. I can do this really fast. You know, everything's made for purpose. This guitar right here is made for purpose. Not to sit in a stand, but to be played. Right? Your car is made to sit on cinder blocks in your front yard, right? No, it's made to what? To drive, to get you from point A to point B. Right? A refrigerator is made to cook your food, right? Definitely. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to drink milk from your fridge. All right. <laughs> So, but you have an oven and an oven cooks your food, but a refrigerator keeps it cool. Am I correct? All of these things, we admit they are made for a purpose. You are made for a purpose. You are made for a purpose. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that the chief end of man is to love God and to glorify him forever. You live your best life when you live loving God through the power of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, John, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, this life we live, not just the words we say, but the worship we give with our lives, this fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I, I listen to people that reject what God has for them, and I'm like, what are you thinking? I don't want peace in my life. I want to be angry. I want to punch walls. I want to have no relationship with my family and my friends because I'm an angry jerk and every time I yell and scream, they get scared and run away from me. Yeah, love that life. I want no self-control so I can't control what I eat, drink, smoke. Right? You want a self-controlled life. You want to be able to control yourself. That way you can actually live. What, what is this? The, the, the fruit of the Spirit? What comes out of your life when you live in step with the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Come on, this is the good stuff. And all of you want, no, nobody wants peace in your life, do you? Yeah, that's why you're taking pills to deal with your anxiety. Of course you want peace in your life. And I'm not bashing taking pills. I'm simply saying this. I'm simply saying, I don't understand why any person would hear what God has to offer them in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and would reject it. Are you really that selfish and proud that you can't admit when you're wrong? Are you really that arrogant? No. Can we drop it? And today, could we simply receive? I, I, I'm coming at you pretty hard because I'm tired of watching people destroy their lives and then blame other people for it. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. And I want to encourage you to receive the Holy Spirit and we will break out the rattlesnakes later. <laughs> I'm joking about the rattlesnakes. Come on, come on. It was getting too tense there. I had to break that up. Now, I want to encourage you to receive the Holy Spirit. One final thing. Uh, John 16, 15 says, That is why I said the Spirit 
will receive what is from me, and he will make it known to you. God wants to make you his confidant. And he wants to make his heart, his will, his purposes, his plans, his insights known to you. And that's why he wants to give us the fullness of the Holy Spirit. All right, so let me end with a story. I'm done with this, all right? I'm done. Except for this story, all right? Years ago, me and my wife were counseling this couple. A woman and man came in, and man, she was lighting him up. He was a pervert. He was a sicko, sex-craved pervert. He would, he would buy the Sunday paper so he could open up the Macy's uh, advertisement to look at girls in their underwear. He was a pervert. He put a mirror up in his house so he could look over the fence at the next-door neighbor girl. He would wait until she was asleep and change the channels on the TV. He was, I, I, I'm just giving you a few, 30 minutes, me and my wife sat there listening to this, and I watched the guy the whole time, and the guy's just doing more and more and more of this, and she just keeps attacking him and attacking him and was vicious, and I'm like, wow. I, uh, I, I didn't know what to do. And uh, I got an out occasionally. If, if you ever are in a counseling session with me and I, I get, take my out, you'll know it. I said, I got to pee. <laughs> so I, I had a bathroom right there by my office, but I didn't go in the bathroom in my office. I was like, I need out of here. I walked down the hallway. I'm like, I'm walking down the hallway praying in the spirit. God, you got to help me here. And I did what I'd never do because urinals are, are nasty because guys have bad aim. And those of you that clean buildings, thank you for that. God bless you, all you cleaners. But anyway, I go to the urinal up there in the old building and I'm like, I, I don't know. I was so frustrated. I did what I would never do. I put my arm on the wall and slammed my head into it. I, I don't touch urinals. Stay away. <laughs> gross. Anyway, but I slammed my head in the wall and I said, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. And God revealed something to me in that second and revealed to me the statement, not a question, the statement I needed to make. I'm like, I'm not saying that. He said, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I ain't. He said, yes, you are. So we walked back in the room. I got everybody seated, ready for another barrage and knowing it's coming at me this time. And I looked up at her and I said, so tell me about your affair you had. Her face turned a different color, her head bowed. She started sobbing. Guys, there's no way under God's green earth I knew that or would have called that out if the Holy Spirit wouldn't have given me knowledge and wisdom in that moment. You need such wisdom in your life too. You need such knowledge. So I'm going to invite you into a prayer. Okay, the first prayer is this. First prayer is, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Can we, can we do that? Everybody together? Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord. Can we do that again? Because some of you didn't participate. Ready? Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord. All right, now I got a thing I do every morning. I'm going to sit down here and do it. I do this nearly every morning in my life. I start like this. Anybody start a day stressful? Anybody ever start the day stressful? You got a lot to do and no time to do it and responsibilities and people. My hands are filled, right? 
So what I do, everybody take your hands. Do them like this. Come on, let's pray a prayer together. Are you going to do this? We're going to take those hands and we're going to empty them. We're going to turn them upside down and we're going to say, Jesus, take all this junk I can't control. Jesus, take all this junk I can't control. I let go of it. I let it all. Turn those hands over. What can you hold in your hands like this? Nothing. What are you holding your hands? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus, take all this junk I can't control. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer together. They're going to put it up on the screen. Turn your hands back over and pray this prayer with me. Holy Spirit, please fill me today and help me build your kingdom. Now that didn't take on some of you, so let's do it again. Can we action this? Turn them, turn them like this. Jesus, take it all. Take it all. Come on. Lord, I, I submit it all to you. Every worry, every grief, every anxiety my children, my wife, my church, the government, finances, the price of gas, my kids acting like knotheads. Right? Anyway, God, me and my sin, I just release it all. Now turn those hands over and say, come on, pray with me. Holy Spirit, please fill me today and help me build your kingdom. I invite you to pray this prayer with me on a regular basis. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And you'll grow accustomed to his voice. He's going to speak to you.